Hello everyone, this is the Trimble Geospatial team here. Welcome to our first session of the new webinar series, Mobile Mapping Essentials. Um, I'm joined by my colleague, Peter Houghton. And today, um, yeah, we're talking about considerations when evaluating mobile mapping solutions. So um, the Mobile Mapping Essentials series is really, um, I think a great starting point for everyone that's trying to find out whether mobile mapping is relevant for their organization. Um, that's new to the technology, but we'll also be covering a range of topics um, for people that have already started working with mobile mapping. Um, there will be more sessions coming up on this series, um, so please keep um, looking out for new sessions that are going to be announced on our webinar page on trimble.gsbasel.com. Now I'm uh, handing over to Peter. Thank you, Sophie. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. <clears throat> I hope everybody's keeping well. Um, so we're going to kick off the webinar um, talking about things to think about when considering a mobile mapping system. And um, so I've, I've tried to go beyond the kind of classic introduction to a product kind of uh, idea and uh, maybe highlight some of the things that should be thought about when evaluating a mobile mapping system. However, having said that, um, I will kind of use the um, Trimble MX9 is kind of uh, the main example here, but uh, I guess many of the points that I'm raising are valid for uh, other systems too. So the Trimble mobile mapping portfolio, um, we have basically three products. Um, the MX7, which is an imaging only system, the MX2, which is kind of a, an intermediate level uh, laser-based system, and the MX9, which is a, a combination of imagery and laser data. Um, really, the, the MX9 is the only one that can be used, I would say, for survey kind of applications and deliverables, meaning um, if you wanted to reach engineering level accuracy, um, the MX9 is the product we have in that category. So again, here are our uh, three products. And as mentioned, um, the focus of this webinar as an example will be the MX9 product. Um, so wide range of applications, um, but also suitable for collecting, maybe this is the first key point to be honest, is that allows you to collect large amounts of data. So maybe for somebody considering buying a mobile mapping system, um, would allow that person to, or that organization to consider much larger projects than perhaps they're used to. And then of course that in itself may have multiple implications for that organization. Um, so the MX9 
um, system itself um, consists of basically two laser scanners, a uh, 360-degree camera, um, and then there's some ancillary equipment like the power unit, a control unit, and of course a roof rack. The system is controlled by a device such as a tablet, it could be a PC, could even be a mobile phone. You actually connect to it um, using Wi-Fi and operate the system using a web browser. And the software is actually held on the MX9 unit itself. So let's have a look at the components. So firstly, we have a roof rack which um, supplied by Trimble and attaches to the roof of the vehicle. Then we have the MX-9, what we sometimes refer to as the sensor head. So this is the cameras, lasers, GPS, IMU unit, um, and also significant amount of computing um, power. There is an optional secondary GNSS antenna that is normally mounted um, ahead of the main unit on the vehicle. We could also add a what we call a DMI or a distance measuring instrument, um, which is basically a wheel that attaches to the wheel of the vehicle and provides a further input for measuring distance in tricky GNSS environments. So how does it all look? Um, normally we would recommend installing a second battery in the vehicle, so a, a secondary um, regular vehicle battery. Um, this is just to ensure that we don't uh, drain too much power from the original car battery. Um, then that connects to our power unit that does some voltage stabilization. Um, and then that connects to our control unit. Um, the control unit um, has two removable uh, SSDs for recording data. So the data is recorded to SSDs in that control unit. And these are removable and can be taken into the office from where the data can be transferred to a computer. Then there's a single set cable uh, connection from the control unit to the sensor head itself. So all these are single cable connections. So it's a fairly clean system and fairly simple to understand for somebody that's new to mobile mapping. And then we connect we create a little uh, Wi-Fi hotspot locally in the vehicle. And normally you would connect to that with something like a tablet, an iPad, or a Galaxy tablet. And then using a web browser, you would operate the system. You can also connect to the control unit with an ethernet cable if that is desirable. Um, so for example, if um, some people prefer to use a laptop PC and um, that can be used uh, by connecting directly with an Ethernet cable. 
The software itself, um, I would say this is one of our Trimble advantages, um, is our simple to operate concept. Um, so when we were designing the MX-9 and its sister, the MX-7, one of our goals was to simplify mobile mapping as much as possible and remove as much of the scariness as we could. The software that operates the system, we call it TMI. Um, it's very, very simple. Um, so basically there's a setting screen. This is where you configure your vehicle, uh, can change some laser settings, um, can take some measurements, um, but basically once it's set up for that particular vehicle, um, you just select that vehicle each time. Uh, there's not too many settings, to be honest. Then we have a very simple um, data collection screen, which I'll show a little bit later, that allows you to record data whilst you're in the field. And the goal here was to make it as simple as possible and to almost make it a uh, one button click stop start kind of idea. And then there is a backup um, component to the software that allows you to manage your projects on the hard disk of the system and to transfer that data um, to, uh, to, uh, to an external hard disk or to a computer. So data recording, um, this is what the system looks like in the field. Um, on the left-hand side is a kind of a background map. Um, actually, it's blank here. We don't have any background map in this particular occasion, um, but you could have a background map. Um, on the left-hand side, you will, on the right-hand side, you'll see some of the operations of the system. Um, so you can see, the current screen is showing a laser profile as you go. There's a navigation screen which is red. If you don't have enough uh, satellites or the IMU isn't initialized, it goes orange once the uh, you have enough position, and then it turns to green once the heading is within the specification and you're ready to record data. You can then hit the green button in the bottom right hand corner and this means start recording data. So data is recorded in what we refer to as runs and a run is all the data that's recorded between a stop and sorry a start and a stop. So once you have completed your data collection, you press the red button, it turns green again, and you've recorded a run. So what does the data look like? And typical uh, data in kind of an urban area here, um, you'll see uh, the detail of the buildings. And then of course, uh, we have many customers that are interested in the road surface itself. So um, just an example here of uh, how manhole covers, for example, show up in the data. Uh, another scene here, um, showing uh, some power lines and some buildings and the road itself. 
and then another one here and you see uh, things like um, the reflectivity of the road signs you see how um, things like lamp columns show up very well and even the barrier in the center of the road shows up pretty well um, so a lot of detail from which we can extract data uh, here's an example on a railway um, where you can clearly see the details of the rails. Um, you can even use in, um, let's say, short tunnels, um, um, longer tunnels where there's no GNSS, of course, become more of a challenge, and that's a different subject. But um, bridges, tunnels, etc., the inertial system uh, keeps us going underneath those obstacles. So applications. Um, the nature of a mobile mapping system means that it's very good for corridors because generally we mount it on a moving platform, a vehicle or uh, on, a, on a railway, for example, also. Um, the data from, from an AMX9 is good enough for engineering type surveys. So if you were interested in doing a topographic survey for design or redesign, um, this could be considered. Um, of course, as-built surveys following engineering works is also um, an application. Um, the next two utilities and asset management, um, we've seen a lot of use of uh, mobile mapping for this kind of application where the data is uh, recorded along with plenty of metadata or attribute information and the data generally ends up in a GIS system. Uh, an area where we've seen um, some significant movement is in the telecoms and fibre to home business um, and some of the examples I'm going to show later on uh, refer to this fibre to home business. This is where you know plenty of providers throughout the world are looking to extend um, broadband and internet coverage to, to people's homes, so fast fibre broadband, um, and there are some good applications relating to mobile mapping and that particular application. We've also seen users um, using mobile mapping for transportation clearances, so for example if you have a very large or heavy load um, Going to, and you need to plan the, the route for that uh, load to be transported. Um, there's a lot of work goes into uh, understanding the clearances and obviously uh, mobile mapping can provide uh, some good input for that. And then also 3D modeling and creation of things like scan to BIM models is another area where mobile mapping can provide significant value. So some considerations. Um, from a hardware point of view, um, relating to the MX9, we provide two IMUs. The IMU is the inertial unit that complements the GNSS receiver inside the mobile mapping uh, system itself. And we offer two different IMUs. The most significant difference between the two is the price, which is why it's important to uh, understand um, the differences from for your application. 
Um, the AP60 is the high grade, highest grade IMU, um, and this, I guess, will be the most ultimate reliable in demanding um, environments. Um, has a very stable heading, pitch, and uh, general orientation parameters. The AP40 is slightly less, but not very much less. And for a user going for the AP40, we'd also recommend um, the second antenna so that we can calibrate the heading against the GNSS output. So AP60 versus AP40. Um, another thing to consider is whether to go for a single laser system or a dual laser system. Um, the majority of time we've sold the dual laser system. However, um, for cost sensitive uh, reasons, a single may be good enough. Um, of course, um, the, the main difference is that you only get half the LiDAR data in one pass. Um, and for many applications, it will be enough. Quite frankly, the data is very dense. And you could argue that uh, for some applications, two lasers is overkill. However, you do get this ability with two lasers to kind of look around corners and minimize the effect of shadowing in the data because you've got two different angles that you can hit an object from. But of course, you can increase the density of a single laser system by uh, driving the route twice, maybe in a different direction or um, from a different angle. So some things to consider there. Do I need a secondary antenna? We call it GAMS. Um, it, the secondary antenna allows, allows us to determine a very accurate uh, heading from GNSS, and it's very useful for calibrating the IMU. So some effects it may have is um, it may give you a very um, good heading RMS very quickly. Um, IMUs generally have this characteristic where they kind of need to warm up a bit, so it can speed up that process, um, but it can also be valuable when using a lower grade IMU. DMI is the wheel that fits on a vehicle. Do you need one? Um, things to consider there are, uh, does it help? Yes, it helps in poor GNSS environments by basically providing a distance, an independent distance solution. Um, so in GNSS challenged areas, it can help for sure. Um, but if your project is in a wide open area, probably doesn't provide that much value. Um, and also the tricky thing with the DMI is it's specific, it's fit, fitting is specific to a particular vehicle. So if you want to swap between vehicles, um, that becomes more of a challenge. So in a typical 
to LIDAR system, this is the kind of pattern you would see in the data. So kind of a cross pattern with the two tilted scanners, um, in this case, um, showing the pattern on the surface of the road. We call it a butterfly configuration. Some other considerations from a software and workflow point of view, um, things to think about when either deciding to buy a mobile mapping system or thinking about a particular project. So the application um, and particularly what kind of deliverables are going to be required. So is your project or projects, is it about survey and engineering deliverables or is it more about asset management and GIS deliverables uh, and that's important from the point of view of um, not only your field procedures but also in terms of what workflow and which software products you're going to use to extract data if you're mainly interested in asset management you may use a different piece of software to survey an engineering kind of data. The next consideration is, do you want to extract data to, to simple files, simple flat files, so a file-based solution, or do you want to extract data with a database connection, perhaps to an existing database? So this can be typical for an asset management application where perhaps there is an existing database that is used for um, keeping inventories of asset information, or it could also be a GIS system, of course. Um, so these, this is a second important thing to consider. Then the extraction environment um, itself, um, I would say there's two basic uh, environments for extracting data for mobile mapping. One is more of a, a point cloud-based environment. So for those of you that are familiar with terrestrial laser scanning, I guess something more like, you know, a Trimble RealWorks environment, which is uh, essentially working on the raw point cloud itself to extract um, features. Or there's more, for mobile mapping, where there's more of an, an immersive imagery-based uh, kind of technique where you're basically guiding your way through um, 360-degree images and using the images as the main interface between your eyes and the data itself. And the, and the point cloud is kind of in the background in the image. This can be a very comfortable way to extract lots of data. Um, logistically, for an organization that is considering mobile mapping, they need to think about data extraction. Data extraction, depending on the product you want to deliver, um, could be enormous. Um, so you need to think about, um, do I have an in-house team that can be trained to extract this data or is already familiar with it? Or do I want to consider outs outsourcing at least the extraction part of this process 
to a third party company. And then finally, uh, last consideration is data sharing. So when I've collected all this data and perhaps I've extracted some um, products from that data, do I want to share it? Is this data, for example, going to be used in a municipality where there is significant value in sharing the data across a large um, range of users and departments? Um, do I want to connect to a geo database and do I want to use plugins? So, <clears throat> for example, if the data was on the internet, would I be interested in sharing that data and using plugins to, um, to connect that data source to my GIS system, for example? Considerations from a software point of view. So, um, TBC is great for survey and engineering deliverables. And then also, of course, for integration with other survey data from all my other survey sensors. Um, so TBC is very good at that for producing survey and engineering type deliverables, you know, DTMs, profiles, cross sections, CAD line work and features. And then, of course, providing that data onwards um, in the engineering process for engineering design, potentially even taking something like the mobile mapping derived DTM into a machine control environment for, for building a road. An alternative uh, consideration for software might be something like TMX, uh, Trimble MX software. This is very much more focused at asset management and GIS and also for publishing and sharing the data. The extraction environment is very much kind of image based with a point cloud in the background. And um, because essentially TMX as a quite powerful GIS database um, underneath it. It's very good for managing um, GIS CAM data sets. And also another consideration could be um, whether to use a desktop version or whether to use client server kind of operation. So how to handle large data, things to think about kind of a summary here, desktop versus client server. Uh, manual or automated or semi-automated extraction, file-based or database connection, if you want data sharing and publishing, in-house versus outsourcing in terms of uh, data extraction. And then finally, you know, whether you, uh, whichever of these um, a customer was to opt for, need to be aware that um, the data requires a significant amount of organization and management, perhaps the most challenging part, the whole mobile mapping process. So workflow inside Trimble, um, we start with our 
TMI software in the field, um, and then we process the trajectory through POSPAC. Um, this gives us a clean post-process trajectory, and then there are a couple of ways we can then go in terms of data extraction, either in TBC for our CAD kind of engineering workflow, or in um, TMX for our mapping and GIS asset management workflow. So let's have a look at the workflow kind of starting from left to right. So once you've come in from the field, the first thing to do is process the vehicle's trajectory to get an accurate centimeter level vehicle trajectory. So we have the raw GNSS and IMU data from the vehicle and you need a base station to process that against. That base station, um, in most cases uh, for mobile mapping, is a web-based, uh, publicly available uh, base station. So not many people actually use their own physical base stations, but use a publicly available base station. So the real-time trajectory is then processed through here, takes all the GNSS, INU, DMI data, and gives us what is called a smoothed best estimate of trajectory, or an SBET. Then we would take that data, so our uh, final trajectory, along with all our project data from the field into Trimble Bid Business Center, um, a point cloud is generated from that data referenced to the trajectory. So it's now geo-referenced in the right absolute position and the images too are processed such that they now are coincident with the point cloud and are in the correct absolute geographic location. The next step in um, TBC could be, depending upon the application. So if it was a survey or an engineering application and you wanted to improve the accuracy of the survey even more, you may want to register that to control points. So um, this is showing uh, an illustration of a survey of a road interchange or a road junction. Um, we have several control points as you will see on the right hand side and we have two runs basically one going uh, from right to left and the other coming from left to right and we would like to register both those runs to the control points and then also one run to another to get the best optimal resulting point cloud that we can. So those tools are available in TBC. The next job in TBC maybe, again, depends on the deliverable, but the, uh, the next part could be to colorize the point cloud. So you would take your um, input point cloud along with the images, and then use the images to colorize the point cloud in true color. From a computing point of view, um, 
this is quite an intensive process. It takes quite a lot of processing power and time. Um, but in terms of operational uh, complexity, it's very, very simple. Um, <clears throat> the next process in TBC could be to classify the point cloud. And this is um, absolutely automatic. Um, it will look at the point cloud and will try to classify automatically into five categories buildings, ground, vegetation, posts and signs, and power lines. Even if you have no need to classify the point cloud itself, it can be very useful um, to aid operations for data extraction. So for example, um, let's say it puts all the ground points into a layer called ground, uh, you can switch the other layers off and you just have the ground points. So you've got a very clean start, for example, to build a DTM. Similarly, if you wanted to extract posts and signs, you could switch off all the other layers, just look at the posts and signs and gives you a quite a clean environment to start extracting those features. So just uh, this one just kind of summarizes a particular data set in Trimble Business Center. This data set is one I'm going to use in some of the examples I'm going to show you of data extraction. It's basically uh, a housing area that uh, needed to be surveyed because they were going to install um, fiber to home um, in this area. Um, <clears throat> so it was driven with a, an MX-9 and uh, used to derive some of the parameters that are needed for fiber to home. Again, this just shows you it's quite a nice uh, little video um, from TBC where what I've done here is created a road center line um, and I'm able to drive through the point cloud in, uh, in TBC. Okay, so now a little bit about TMX software. It's kind of compare and contrast um, the tools available uh, compared with TDC, for example. So Trimble MX software, um, it's quite easy to use, but there are a huge number of features in it. Um, uh, there are basically four main components to it. So Content Manager allows users that have huge amounts of data to manage that data in projects. As I mentioned earlier, Managing large amounts of mobile data um, is not something that should be gone into without having your eyes wide open. Uh, it requires um, some tools and it requires some organization. So Content Manager is a product that can allow uh, people to do that. Asset Modeler is the main environment, desktop environment, uh, that allows uh, somebody to extract data using a desktop product. And um, Publisher is a way to publish the data over the internet, allowing that data to be shipped 
shared ac across an organization um, to multiple departments. So content manager, asset modeler, and publisher. I think I'll just move on as time's pressing on. So what data do we actually have to extract from? We have, um, we basically have panoramic photographs, panoramic images, sorry. Um, we have a downward or backwards looking camera that's looking at the road surface. So this is useful for uh, anybody that's interested in the road surface itself. And then we have some sideways cameras that are looking uh, left and right as you move forwards. Um, and then we have the point cloud itself. So if you like, they're the, the raw data resources we have to start extracting data. So um, I mentioned that a choice could be whether to use file-based operations or a database connection. So file-based obviously is simple, allows you to you know, copy and paste data using Windows Explorer in a very simple way. Um, a database connection uh, could be better for interoperability. And if you have multiple users wanting to extract data simultaneously, to an existing database um, and also allows connection to an existing database that is maybe something from before mobile mapping, if you like. So uh, allows you to connect to an existing database for data integration. So TMX allows um, database connections. Um, you need a driver to do this and there are several uh, what are called JDBC drivers or Java compatible drivers that allow you to connect to various uh, SQL databases. So as you will see on the left-hand side there, um, several choices of um, connect of several choices of database that can be connected to uh, using this capability. So in TB in TMX, the data comes in and it looks like this. So here's a map showing the vehicle trajectory and displaying uh, um, the uh, accuracy of the uh, trajectory. So good QC tool. And then I'm going to show you an example of fiber to home where um, from a design point of view, they may want to plan the uh, cable location and helps them plan it if they need to dig a trench, what kind of material it's in, etc. They may want to measure offsets um, from the main cable route to a prop to, to every property. And it's quite important in the fiber to home business because quite often the customer at that property will actually pay for this part of the operation. So the actual cable coming from the main route into their property. Um, we also have some capabilities to query and filter the data in a TMX. Once we've collected lots of data, we can query it and filter it and export it. And then um, we might also want to 
after this fibre to home process has been completed, maybe it's been done by a subcontractor, we might want to resurvey that and inspect that area to make sure from an as-built point of view that work has been undertaken correctly. So, um, <clears throat> in this example, um, I'm just showing how we could plan the trench. So, uh, here we have a tool to extract basically a polyline. Um, the rectangular, yellow rectangular symbol is showing that um, basically the system is snapping to the surface itself, horizontal surface in this case, which is the, the sidewalk there. Um, and I'm extracting where I want my trench to go and I'm giving it a surface time, I'm saying it's in asphalt, uh, what kind of equipment is needed to dig the trench. Uh, and then automatically I've also stored some parameters like the length of the trench and so forth. So that appears on the map, um, is in the database, and of course could be exported to a GIS system along with the attribute information that's been entered. Similarly, um, for curb line, um, So I'm just going to extract some data along the curb line here. So I'm adding data to the inventory. I choose which uh, feature I want, curb line, and now I start extracting a polyline. So the, of course, this is a manual process. There are tools available for doing this also in a semi-automated way. So here we're just extracting the curb line. Uh, of course, the point cloud is in the background here. So this is what um, I was mentioning earlier on about the environment you're using for extracting the data. The point cloud is in the background in this, uh, although it seems, appears to be just an image-based kind of uh, idea. So attribute information also stored, the length of the curb, um, Kind of curb it is, and of course the information, um, the line work is stored in the database and can also be overlaid in the image. Uh, here's an example of extracting uh, a manhole. So in TMX, of course, um, you can extract points, lines, or polygons. In this case, I'm using a polygon feature. Um, I'm extracting a feature called chamber or manhole. Um, fiber industry, they seem to call them chambers, or at least in the UK they do. So I'm extracting that as a polygon feature. Um, it's automatically calculated the area because that's what I told it to do and um, 
I'm just taking a few notes there in one of the other attribute fields. And you'll see that that data has been extracted. The, uh, I've also asked it to display the area in the middle of the symbol. Uh, similar idea now. Uh, I think the only difference here is uh, another manhole. It's a circular manhole. So again, um, I'm using a feature called chamber and I'm selecting, uh, I think, three points on a circle. So again, the feature has responded. Um, manholes are quite important for the fiber to home in uh, business because they, they're interested in existing infrastructure and potentially whether that infrastructure could be used by them. Um, so they were, this particular customer was interested in collecting uh, existing infrastructure. Um, and then another item of interest was to measure the offsets from the main cable route to the property boundary. So as I mentioned, this is um, something that's of great interest because the customer of the or the owner of the property actually pays for this component of this operation. So obviously, uh, basically that distance there is directly proportional to the bill that they're gonna give the customer. Similarly, again, this is a rail example. Um, where it's using an edge detection. This could also be used for curb lines, but I'm using here edge detection to detect the uh, edge along the railway platform. Um, so you get a little edge detection kind of icon when you use this. Uh, you might see it more clearly here where the icon changes to an edge when it detects the edge um, and it automatically uh, creates the, the platform edge. So data can, uh, once data is extracted, um, can be exported to uh, typical GIS formats or to CAD formats. And then I mentioned a couple of times, it's also possible to publish the data. So um, this is where you would have an in-house server with the TMX publisher platform installed and it allows you to publish the data and allows people to access the data just using a web browser. So basically you can send them a link to somewhere in the data and they can click on the link and see the data. They can take basic measurements, they can do quite a lot of things in the data if they want to, um, but it's fairly, fairly uh, let's say basic and user intuitive that allows a, a non-expert to browse through the data.
once the data is published, um, there are also plugins for um, the data that allows you to use. So this one's showing uh, ArcGIS plugin. So you can go into ArcGIS, you can install the TMX plugin, providing you have data that's published on the internet. You can then extract data using the tools available directly into ArcGIS. So there are similar plugins available for Autodesk, MicroStation, QGIS, I think, and some others. And there's also an SDK for um, other systems that may require a plugin. Finally, I just wanted to measure, mention some things from a, to, con to consider from a business point of view. Um, so we understand the capital outlay for a high-end mobile mapping system is pretty high. Um, so why would you want to do this? Well, mobile mapping, generally speaking, once you've bitten the bullet and uh, paid, um, bought a system, will provide a better, faster, and cheaper solution. So field to finish with high quality data could be 60% faster on a large project or even a small project. Uh, field work is likely to be 90% faster. So we're talking significant numbers here. Improved on-site safety, so um, no need for pedestrian access on busy roads, can all be done from the safety of a vehicle, uh, no need for you know specific road or lane closures for undertaking survey operations. And for many companies, uh, what we found is it expands their capability to take on much larger projects than they've historically been able to do. So something about productivity gains and something really to consider for an organization. These numbers aren't, don't, don't hold me to these numbers, but they're just to give, just to explain the concept, if you like. Um, if we said that conventional surveying um, for every uh, three people or three crews, you need one in the office to finalize, do all the CAD work, produce the deliverable from that field work. So it's a kind of a ratio of three to one field to office. Um, what people need to be aware of with mobile mapping is it's much bigger in the other direction. The ratio is something like one in the field to six in the office. So obviously depends on the deliverables and the amount of data that needs to be extracted. But if there's a huge amount of extraction to do, if basically your customer wants everything extracted, then that kind of ratio is possible. So could have a big impact on an organization and the way that they need to think about uh, mobile mapping. 
So something on return of investment. So as I said, you know, big, relatively big capital outlay, um, but it will streamline operations. Individual project costs will be far uh, will be reduced. Um, also, things will be done quicker, allow people to accelerate schedules, um, improve quality and minimize risk and opportunity. I think once that capital outlay has been recovered, uh, a real opportunity to increase profits. So large projects, the projects costs could be, I'm not including the capital outlay here. So large projects could be reduced by um, up to 50% their cost. Um, so the trick here is to figure out how to address the capital cost issue. Basically, once the system has been paid for, you can consider mobile mapping to be a cash cow and something that can generate lots of revenue. And then there are also, I think this is the final one, but just to give you a flavor for some of the more advanced tools. So again, I'm looking at the cable business here. Um, usually they, at least in the UK, they want to, uh, want to bury the cables as much as they can, but um, actually, in many places, well, in most places, it's actually cheaper to suspend the cables from uh, from poles. Um, so that is always an alternative as well um, because it's uh, very cost effective. Um, so they may want to look at poles and see if there's room for them to install their existing infrastructure. Uh, uh, sorry, it installed a new infrastructure on that pole. Here I'm actually just showing you some capability to measure catenary of suspended cables. So that's quite a nice feature there. Automatically populates uh, two fields, span and clearance with the measurement. Uh, also, once you extract any feature in TMX, it automatically creates a snapshot of that feature. So that's what that little um, thumbnail is there. Here's one showing some automated extraction. So this is uh, extracting railway lines for a rail application. Um, so there's a tool here, you basically click on one rail, show it the direction show it the offset to the second rail and it will automatically look for the high points on the rail and um, extract the rail as a feature. That's it from me. I'd like to thank you for your attendance. I'd like to remind you that there's a follow-on from this presentation on Thursday, the 9th of April, which is going to focus on the workflows in TBC that follow data capture. So a kind of deep dive into TBC and mobile mapping data.
Um, I'd like to thank everybody for attending and uh, yeah, we will capture the questions as much as we can. Um, please feel free to email me if you want any further information um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.